Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by Eli Gate 25. We're thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. What's up, Jeff? It's just funny because I'm pretty sure you don't take a breath during that whole intro. You just wait for me to screw <laughs> it up. Like you watch and you, you no, stare just, and you're like, he's going to mess it up. He's going to mess it up. No, I'm just afraid you're going to pass out because you're not taking a breath during it. That's why I pass it to you after so I can like breathe off mic. All right. Are you uh, ready for Final Four weekend? Oh, absolutely. I, yesterday was my You got all four day. teams in your bracket, right? No. All of them. <laughs> no. They give, F- you have FAU winning it all. I gave Sarah fair warning when she asked me to help her pick her bracket mm-hmm. for work that I never felt less confident about picking the NCAA tournament. I think there's like 12 people total that have the final four teams in the ESPN bracket. Hey, I, I have UConn winning it all. In one bracket. In one bracket. Yes. Which, yeah. What happened to that? What happened what? to our sheets of integrity? It is. I, I only did one, one in each of my pools. I did each one of in my, my pool. I off, did one in my office pool and then one with friends. But you have two different results that you need. So that's not one bracket. No, it's a UConn. It, it, U, UConn is what I need to happen in both. And that's all that yeah. you need to happen. That's all I got. The other, the other three teams, they were out a long, long, long time ago. Uh, are you somebody who is excited by all the upsets that we saw in this tournament? I mean, we, we saw some crazy, crazy. I, I stuff. could give you my egocentric answer, which is I don't care because Michigan's Michigan wasn't not there. In it, right? I understand. Okay, yeah. we can just preface anything on the show by <laughs> if Michigan isn't involved, Jeff doesn't care quite as much. But now that we've accepted that premise, yeah. uh-huh. let's have a regular conversation uh-huh. about the teams that are in there. Now, I think this is exciting. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not some somebody who needs to have the blue bloods in it to watch it. So it it, it, it for me it doesn't matter. I know there are some people that want to see, you know, the Kentuckys and the Kansas and the Dukes in there, but that's just for the same reasons I think for most of those people. I think it's the same reason that I would want to see Michigan in. So I want to have a rooting interest. But because of the way that college basketball has evolved, especially in the last few years, does it really matter? Because by the way, most of the kids that are in this, they're going to be at different schools next year. Oh, we're going to talk about all that in a few minutes with Coach Gary Waters as he joins us from Vegas, where he was out at the NIT last night. I mean, the, I mean, the poor Florida Atlantic coach said that that his players are getting recruited during the tournament, but he's going to stay there. Well, he's going to stay there, but the question—I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, we'll talk to, again. We'll talk to Coach Waters about it, but this is absurd that that players are moving around. You just told me right before we went on air that Hunter Dickinson is leaving is leaving Michigan. You care because it's Michigan. <laughs> no, I, actually I don't I don't care because 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 you know he's one of, he's one of I think he's part of the problem. Like he's one of these guys he came to college. He thought he said he was going to leave after his freshman year. He had a very good freshman year. He's a he's a good college basketball player. He, he'll, he'll never play in the pros. I mean, he might you be. You agree with Tom? He Izzo. might be. He might be a Mac McClung at the end of the match. You, you agree with Tom Izzo? Then, what? Who said that these guys don't have a chance in the pros anyway? They're not pros. Otherwise, they'd be going. Pros, otherwise, so they go. Yeah. They, so they should just have. I mean, to you, wait I, in the portal. You'd like to believe that there some of them are there for education. I think there are a large number of those, but those are the ones that know they're not going to the pros. Well, if you look at the moving around in the seeding error, not since 1970 has the Final Four not included any of the top three seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you had the one seeds all out by the Sweet 16. It's it's reflected in ratings. The ratings are definitely lower without those huge markets in there. Um, I I don't even know. But I don't understand what uh, unless the name on the front of the jersey matters to you that much. College basketball has become 
a sport where it's only the players that you're seeing, nobody knows who they are. For the, basketball star, fans. Yeah, but even like you have to be like a hardcore college basketball fan to be able to name outside of your own teams, name 10 college basketball players. There are not that many stars of no, the game. A bunch game of guys from your the, team might be on another team next year. In the very, well, <laughs> well, the best player, Jet Howard, left after a year. They're I mean, expecting up to 2,000 names again in the transfer portal right. this year. There were 170 people who declared the first day. But why are the ratings? But I, I don't understand. Uh, look, I don't really care about ratings. You know that. But, but ratings why are, are the ratings down? Because when you why do you think they're ratings? Because Florida is not the largest market in terms of those schools. Florida, you, have FA, you have FAU in Boca right. and Miami they're not you know it's not the University of Florida or Florida State well, wait wait have, wait University of Miami is is a big now it's usually football, for football. yeah they'll get into yeah. it for basketball mm-hmm. but so it's not traditional basketball right. San Diego State and UConn mm-hmm. has a following but UConn is a smaller school compared to some of the Big Ten schools or some of the Pac-12 schools and so it's just the the size of the footprint of the audience. I think there's a smaller audience watching. And I think you lose some of the casual fans when you don't have the bigger names. They don't know anything about San See, Diego State. I think it's a different reason. Why? I think it's because we're a country full of degenerate gamblers. And because once your team is out, of the reason that the Final Four and the NCAA tournament became so big was because everybody does brackets. And now that everybody's bracket is blown up, now people say, I don't care anymore because I don't have anything invested in it. And that's the problem with gambling. You're probably right. This but is, that, so but I'm this glad, is exactly what I have been I'm whining you to you agree. about for years is I can't stand. I know it needs to be there and then it's not going away. But gambling has taken away from the 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 purity of being a fan. I'm glad and that now you agree you just, with me yeah. that the ratings are up because of gambling. Now, so that's what. I, no, uh, well, the ratings are artificially inflated when people are interested right. with a gambling and now interest, they're artificially which is the deflated. argument that i've made about the nfl for you for years right. why they need to integrate it more because it brings their ratings up not that i think oh, it's no, the best see, thing for see, the but sport I, that, I don't which agree by the way the whole, they agree to you, sports but you just said the they need to do it they don't need to do it but they're going the to. nfl makes just enough money they don't need to do it they don't need to do Nobody anything. Needs They're to do going it. to. They talked at the owners' meeting. Instead of getting rid of the tush push from the Eagles, they decided to add sports books to stadiums. So, look, Jeff, it's it's not the direction you want to go, but it's totally exactly. happening. You know, you, as an Eagles fan, you've now gone from from the time of the 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 play in the NFL. I mean, in the Super Bowl to the tush push. Well, it's pretty much really. What it is pretty much what it is. I mean, you <laughs> got the running back pushing from behind, but I mean, look, I've found the the tourney to be very entertaining. Frankly, the the women's tournament has drawn better ratings than the men's tournament at times in terms of some of the matchups and some of the prices of some of the tickets mm-hmm. for the games. We were looking at the get-in price. Granted, there are fewer tickets available for the women's game, but the average ticket price for the women's is higher than the men. Caveat, there's 70,000 seats to sell for the men. Right. So you get that ticket price bought down by the $40, $60 tickets that are up in nosebleed. Yeah, the, it, yeah it doesn't, for those people that are trying to compare apples to apples, you can't compare apples to apples. It doesn't work because, because you're talking about a football stadium where they're just going to sell those upper seats versus a, a $20,000 seat. Well, Coach Gary Waters is joining us now from out in Vegas. He was there at the NIT last night. Coach, congratulations on a successful tournament out there. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. It, it was a lot of fun. I tell you, the first time I've been on a committee of that magnitude. Yeah, talk to and us was, about that. You got on the board in, in 2022, and, and you got on at a time where, like, I'm used to the NIT at MSG. And right, you, right. We're, we're right. at a time where it's moving. It's in Vegas this year. It's going to Indy next year. Talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, it's pretty unique. You know, the, the biggest change is now owned by the NCAA. Back in the day, it was it was affiliated with uh, Madison Square Garden. And I even took a team there. I don't know if you remember this. I took a team uh, we, to the championship game against Michigan uh, back in the day, and, and that was an unbelievable tournament. So, and this one here was, was I mean, was just as exciting. Wait, which t- which team did you take that against was Michigan? Penn State team, right? No, it was the Rutgers team. Oh, that was the Rutgers team. Ah, see. Yeah, we ended up playing Michigan in the finals. Yeah, so so I don't know if you remember, uh, Jason's a, a, Rutger, a Rutgers grad. And I'm I was a up there grad. for games this year. <laughs> I, I was up there watching watching some Rutgers games this year. Oh, oh, they did well this year, and I, you know, I mean, he's doing a great job. The coach there now is doing a fabulous job. So talk to us a little bit about that. So we, we the NIT finishes. Now it's it's on to March Madness Final Four this weekend. Uh, you got the women's tournament and the men's tournament sort of in the same area. Let's let's go men's tournament first. Uh, upsets galore. It's the first time we haven't had a, a top three seed from any region there since the 1970s. Talk about what you've seen uh, in this postseason tournament. Well, just let me mention this first. I'm here at the Final Four right now. I flew in this morning. Oh. Yeah, and uh, and I'm doing a book signing as you and I are speaking. Wait, <laughs> is, the new, is the new book out? No, no, the new book's not out, but oh. I'm doing the one on 10 principles. And uh, I'm a character coach. And, and so the, uh, the, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes had me come out to do this. So that's what I'm doing. So talk to us about what it's like, the atmosphere on the ground out there. Is there uh, a lot of fans uh, out there now for the different A lot teams? of fans. And we're in the convention center, and it's totally packed. they got a clinic going on with maybe, I'm going to say, 100 coaches there watching it. And, and they got booths and everything else, and people are going around and just getting a chance to, to, to just be a part of basketball. So, you know, look, everybody has an opinion, and I'm sure you have one too, of, of what it, what this means that we don't have the, the big-name programs in here, the traditional powerhouses. In, you know, well, get. What, what you're saying is really, really true. And let me mention something that I, that I think has really gone unnoticed. The team that won our tournament was North Texas, and the conference they're in is the USA, Okay. And the USA had two peoples, two teams in that final. Uh, they were both from USA. And there's another tournament that was completed called the CBI. And Charlotte won that tournament that was from the USA. And now we're getting ready to see the final four where we got Florida, Florida Atlantic in. And they're from the USA. No one's talking about how great that conference, and that's a mid-major conference. I think they're eighteen and two so far, uh, with one of the teams losing last night with with winning in terms of the three tournaments. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't hear you. I, I said I think they're eighteen and two now with the loss last night, but I mean the conference has been has been dominant. Talk to us about the matchups here that we're going to see. We're going to see San Diego State and FAU. Uh, that's the opening matchup, and then Miami-UConn will close it out. What do you expect to see on the court? Well, you got 
in in the first round, you I mean the first game, you have two mid major teams playing there with San Diego State and uh, and Florida Atlantic. You're going to see a really competitive game. I mean, these two teams are better than what everybody thinks. They can play against anyone, and I'm going to tell you why they're better than anyone. And it's probably the, the primary reason why you have so many mid majors doing so well right now in the NCAA tournament. Number one is many of the players that are playing are older players. And when you talk about the Power Five Conference, many of those players are one and done or two years and so on or transfers. So it's not the same. In in the mid-majors today, you got um, older players, and they also got that COVID year, that one-year COVID. So you got guys 25, 24 years old playing in the in the tournament. Yeah, but here's the here's the problem though. You have okay. the, you have these mid-majors that have these older players. But then those players leave. They have to leave. Are, are, are mid-majors going to be able to sustain the success, or will it be a, 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 a gradual process of a one and done and then having to do that again because they're not going to be able to get the one and done great players, the perceived you know great players from right. high school? You know, that's a great question. And I'm, when I think about it from, from my viewpoint, I think it's, it's going to go back. I think they got two more years left on the COVID year of that class that came in when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And once that's over, I think it's going to be very, and it's going to be very difficult for for them to maintain what they're doing right now. I do think that. But however, if they if they continue to work at the level they're working and getting the type of student athletes they're getting, uh, I tell you, it, you know, it, it could remain. Yeah, well, we, and we'll get back to to your pit, your picks and who you think you're going to win these games. But you know, one of the reasons that we love having you on the show is because you talk about character and, and and what's important to the game, the sport, to the students, things like that. And and we have a situation now where Florida Atlantic coach has, coach has said that during this tournament, his players are being recruited away. That that yeah. that, that other people. To me, that's not a character, and and now and you also have Tom Izzo now making a comment today about about the kids in the transfer portal. We've talked to you right, about the right. transfer portal before. It as as somebody who went through this process, was a yep. coach and had to recruit. Is there a way to to stem the tide of everything? that's wrong with the transfer portal so that you can get to the point that what's good about the transfer portal could work? Well, you know what? I think you're at the early stages of the the transfer portal. So you're going to see a lot of the negative things occur because they're trying to figure it out. Uh, I think eventually as time goes on, they'll be able to figure it out and kids won't be as elusive as they are to, to be involved in the, the transfer portal. See, there's some things that, I, that I'm struggling with with the transfer portal. The one thing is that a player can, be, can go into the transfer portal, and if they don't get, a, get the school they're looking for, they can't come back to the school that they were in before because now that coach has went out and got, got players uh, to, to, on scholarship to, to make his program better. So, and, and, what, and to give you a little insight, what I'm saying is a year ago they had almost, let's say, uh, 1,200 kids in the transfer portal. 
but they only had 800 destinations. So there's 400 that didn't get something. On this year, they're, went, they're saying it could be up to 2,000 kids in the portal. Yeah, and, and, and that's scary. Yeah, because you have really, the COVID really year of eligibility, so there's that additional number of kids that are there. Right, right. And and I just I feel bad for what how the system has, has turned on the kids because not only are you hurting the kid that goes into the transfer portal, think about the freshmen that are coming in. Now they gotta deal with an older guy. And they and they're and a guy that you know, all of a sudden is coming from another place being put in that position to be the person they need for what they're going for. Oh, it's not- very difficult. That's assuming the coach is still at the school. We've seen 11 major <laughs> yeah. conference coaching changes this offseason, another 39 changes from the non-Big Six. That's 50 different coaches with all those students potentially looking to move someplace else because the person who recruited them isn't there. Talk about the challenges for coaches now. You know, we, we've seen – Jeff was talking to me last week about how his frustration with the tournament is anytime you see one of these small schools make a run – you know the coach mm-hmm. is going to end up jumping to a different job. And we saw a bunch well, of that I, happen. Well, and it's happening. It's happening frequently now. I was just in the uh, in the, the finals of the NIT in North North Texas. Was involved in that, and and if you remember, they won the the NIT championship. That coach now goes to Texas Tech. And Utah Valley's coach Mark Madsen now went to Cal. So he goes to Cal. So, so you're losing them. It's a it's a it's a, a never-ending process, but you know you can't take that away from the coach to aspire, to, you know, to go to a higher level. That that happens, you know. You and, and we're talking about in coaching, but thinking in the business world, you know, people move and they and they they excel, and before you know it, they have another position. Yeah, and and obviously promotion is part of life. If they if you can yes. get a better job, yeah. But you'd like coaches to stick around at least for a period of time, and if they don't stick around, I think there should be some limits on them. So I'll give you, it's a college football analogy. Deion Sanders okay. had a lot of success at Jackson State. He, right. le- he leaves Jackson State for Colorado. He can go on to the better job, but what he also did was took, take, took all of his best players told them to enter the transfer portal or they coincidentally entered the transfer portal and all <laughs> end up at Colorado. So not only yeah. has he, yes, he helped the program while he was there. He left the program and which puts them at a disadvantage. And then he took all of their best players. Is that something yes, that you yes. think should be happening? No, I don't think it should be happening. And, and you know what? They can uh, legislate that out if they want to eventually because they're going to have to put some parameters around the portal because they don't have right now, they don't have any major uh, parameter rules for it. They have certain things like you only can do it one time and things of that magnitude. But in regards to what you're talking about, there's no parameters for that. Why? And they need to, I don't know why. How how is it? This is is an organization that's got lots of money and lots of professionals <laughs> and lots of d- lots of lawyers at their disposal. Careful, he's on a NIT-backed NCAA <laughs> yeah, board now. But but how, how do you and, – and we all saw this coming. I believe we talked, we to, talked you, to you about this before, before it actually happened. 
And and yep, yep. despite it all, everybody knowing it was coming, nobody sat down and figured out what the rules are. You can't figure out everything. You there are always unintended consequences. But some right. of this stuff you could have figured out. We all know that everybody's angling for the best for themselves in their program. Correct, correct. Yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, eventually, someone's going to have to step up or step forward and say, hey, something is wrong with this, even though it's, it's new. See, it's so new that no one knows what to do with it yet. The same thing with the NIL. It's so new that they're really struggling what to do with it. And until they get a few years under their belt, to understand and, and see all the ins and outs and the positive and negatives of it, it's hard for them to make a decision on certain things. Uh, but what, what you're saying is absolutely right. They should have been prepared for what's going on right now. Based on what but you... Now, but, but, but let me say this. What's happening, we have questions about. However, when the sport is still having success, they feel we don't have to change it right now. Let it start going downhill, then we have to make changes. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you a more personal question. It, it, based <laughs> okay. based on on what you're seeing now, would you have wanted to be, or do you want to be in in this type of environment as a coach? And would it make your job easier or harder? Well, you asking a very direct question. <laughs> My wife has said, "You won't." I know you don't want to be a part of this stuff that's going on. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it would make it more difficult. I'm gonna be honest with you. I can't, you know, uh, try to hide the process. It would make it more difficult. You know, you got you got portals, you got transfers, you got fifth year transfers, you got you got the NILs, and the NILs are for single individual people as opposed to related to many team members and they're fighting among themselves. It's just so much stuff going on. All right. I'm going to come back to the games to finish up with you. We got the men's bracket this weekend. We got the ladies bracket too, where you've got Caitlin Clark, who's just been dominant going up against Don Staley's team tonight. Uh, what are you yeah. thinking we're going to see in terms of predictions on the men's and women's side with some of these games? Well, I tell you, let's start with the women first. I, I think, you know, Obviously, uh, South Carolina is a tough team. It's going to be hard to beat that team. But it's going to be a great game, and I think it's going to go down to the last minute. But I think that uh, Staley's team will come out on top. But I love the girl at, uh, at Iowa. She, she's a special human being out there playing this game of basketball. And they could easily win this whole thing this year. How about on the men's side? Are we going to see a surprise where one of the lower seeds does it, or does UConn, the only team that's coming in with any previous titles, continue to be the only team in the Final Four there with a title? Well, you know, if you ask me who I'm picking, I'm going to say I would pick UConn. UConn is, is really a dominant team this year. However, don't sleep on San Diego State. They're older. They're, they're a physical team. And they know how to win. So when you got those three things going for you, it's going to be difficult to beat a team like that. And the teams they have played in the tournament felt that. Coach, you know, they felt that they had a chance with that team, and that team just wore them down. Coach, enjoy yourself out at the Final Four. Always look forward to talking to you. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Wait, I got a question what? for you before you go. You, you, okay. you, you, said, you said that you're out there talking about your, your, your last book. 
I thought there was another book on its way. Oh, it is. It is. And that'll be out this year. And I think, I think I'm a, it'll be out sometime in November or December. And it's titled Coaching Millennials from a Character Perspective. Oh, That's you, a whole you have different subject matter. You have got you have got to come on to talk about that. One. You, hit, you hit Jeff's wheelhouse right there. So <laughs> well, well, I tell you, that's a, it's it been, you know for me it was very interesting in in researching material for this book because I had to I had to determine or find how out why the millennials turned out the way they turned out. Oh, it's see, can, can, today. all right. Well, I'll be calling you this weekend to find out because maybe it'll help me as a parent. <laughs> Coach, en- enjoy the final four. We look forward to talking to you when the book comes out or before that. Thanks so much for the time. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Take it easy. Jeff, look at you with the pointed questions asking him if he wants to coach again. Well, Put the man on the I, spot. Well, let me ask you a question. If, if you were, if you I were wouldn't want to coach in this. Absolutely Why? not. Why would you want to go someplace where you're on the hot seat the whole time and every single of the players that you work so hard to recruit could leave at any second to go any place else if you're not so nice to them? Yeah, even the jobs that were traditionally safe are no longer safe. No. Be, be, not just because there's not as much success. It's because, like, you know, like the Calipari's of the world could recruit like crazy. Well, look how look what turned out this year. It, it, you just you don't know what you're getting, and you, you're constantly having to placate these. The, the players you you I don't know how you can teach in this environment in a way sometimes teaching requires tough love sometimes teaching requires criticism in order to get better and saying it in the right way a lot of the not all of them but a lot of them the the, the players now if they don't get their playing time right away they're in the they, portal they move. and this was I mean we talked when this was first happening we had on an athletic director who was saying that he was concerned about this very thing is that it it would deter competition instead just create a bunch of people who were going to sit there and say I'm not getting what I want from the second that I get there I'll go somewhere else I won't compete and and competent the point of sports is is competition as well as camaraderie and and sportsmanship the competition element is kind of going out of it because you don't for some players, you no longer have to compete for your spot because if you don't get it right away, you go somewhere else where they, well, they're promising you that you'll get the spot. I think I could understand them not being prepared for NIL more than I can understand them not being prepared for the transfer portal. People have transferred forever. Ha, Why wait. couldn't you create a system? And well, I, NIL, here, but... there's so many money resources. There's a lot of players from before Money, like, there's a lot of restrictions and and things around money that to me make that more complicated. I would have thought that the transfer portal is something that if they really looked at, they could have come up with a solution that was fair to both sides. I will agree with you that it's more complicated because it's money. Um, but I don't agree that they could have foreseen a lot of the things that are happening with NIL, for the very reason that the NCAA was leveling penalties on teams for years because of the funny business that was going on with paying players. So if you knew at least those things, you should have been able to avoid this. Having situations where, like, Miami has, like, a, where, where these, team, these schools now have these collectives, and it's just, you're just paying the team well, and, we've and giving out to, the money. We've talked to different people about the challenges at schools that don't have those collectives, that haven't bought in yet, and how that's going to affect who they have on their teams, who comes to coach that team. 
know, if you haven't bought into the new game. Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't mean you don't have the resources of alumni in the university. It means you that, haven't bought into putting that right. process there together. There are some athletic directors that have not bought into this and don't want to go down the, this. There are programs stuff. that would have an abundance of resources mm -hmm. that want nothing to do with the idea of putting it together. So it's not a question of well, are I don't, the funds I, it's available. Not, it's not just not putting it together. It's the people that you're dealing with. Well, yeah. Because they've now opened the front door to the predators. It, it's not just – see, the NIL in theory makes sense. No matter what age you are, if your likeness, your name, helps somebody else make money and they're willing to pay you for it, they should be able to do it. But when you have the boosters – the one, not all boosters are bad, but when you have those bad boosters and you're now saying, here, just give them the money. You, the problem is you, you, it was hard enough beforehand to figure out who it was and how you were going to limit their access and things like that. You no longer have the ability to do that because you've let them through that front door. Uh, before we move on, do you pay attention to uh, broadcasters, like who people who call the games? Jim Nance's last call of the Final Four, well, he'll still be the voice of the Masters and things like that. But mm -hmm. Do you pay attention when people move on like that? They'll have Ian Eagle doing the call next year. Well, I, I, I don't. Of course, I mean I pay attention to the the fact that those voices are the voices of generations. Yeah. I mean we have these people on all the time. I remember when they tried to change one shining moment years ago, and people lost their mind. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to change the song, you can change the song. But Jim Nance is the voice. To me, see, the thing is, even though he's been doing it for a long time, I still see Jim Nance as, as more the voice of golf. Of golf, yeah. yes. Uh -huh. I mean, he is the voice of the Masters to me. Mm -hmm. And so that there are people that, you know, I remember Dick Enberg was the voice of the NFL, but he was the voice of AFC Games of the NFL because he was always on, I think, on NBC. Yeah, because so, you had John Madden and, and Pat Summerall on the NFC game. Yeah, so, so in that way, yes, it, it sucks that those people move on. But then newer people do get a chance. I mean, look, we had we had uh, Pat McCarthy on a couple weeks ago. He he is a younger guy who is going to bring something different to the game of baseball. He's going to call with, with Howie Rose, yeah. who is a traditional baseball radio guy. Mm -hmm. So. All right, why don't we hit the break when we come back? Plenty to talk about baseball, soccer, football, the basketball, Football's. hockey. <laughs> Stick <talk>. with us. <laughs> Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. All right, Jeff, we're back. Uh, did you take off for opening day yesterday? No. No? Mm -mm. Did you watch from your office? Well, it's harder. Opening day is a whole lot different when your, te when your teams aren't at home. home. The opening, the excitement of opening day. Meaning travel is, to Texas? No. I did not travel to Texas. The The excitement of opening day is going down to the game. It's, I mean, for, for me, I had a very specific tradition of, of now, I guess now I can say it because he's now out of school, of sneaking my kid out of school early, <laughs> go, going down three hours before the game, going and get the, getting the food, the whole carnival-like atmosphere of it. 
you know, the players coming in, the pomp and circumstance of right before the game and, and just the game of itself. And it just, there was something about it. When, when the team's on the road, it's just not as exciting. Opening day will still be the first day they're here. I still enjoy the overreactions after opening day. Either way. Like, it, third inning in, yeah. this team wasn't going to lose all season. You're they, talking about the Phillies. Yes. Yeah. And um, by the seventh inning, it was a disaster, and oh, my God, we're not doing anything. Season's over. Season's over. Mm-hmm. Not 162 games. I mean, you texted me right away. Oh, Alec I was Boehm on pace for 162 home uh, runs. Uh, well, it, it wasn't just you. I, but, uh, for my Yankees friends, uh, Glaber Torres had two home runs by the sixth inning, and I said he's on pace for 324 home runs. Uh, the Phillies struggled. I, obviously, you know, anytime you put up five runs on Jacob Degrom, you, assume you should win. You're going to right. win the game when you're, when your ace is on. There. Your ace did not. That did not happen. It, it really seemed like the pitch clock kind of got to them in the fourth inning, and you did not want to hear the excuse of the pitch clock. So I'll let you go first. No. What What, what do you mean? I didn't want to hear the excuse. Well, that when JT Romuto was complaining, when I said it, you, you thought it was kind I of said Crimea river. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you want? You, 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 it's a new rule. Get used to it. Well, I think they have to get used to it, but I think part of it is he didn't play in spring training a lot. He was at the WBC. Right. And the games weren't of the pressure and magnitude in spring training. They were in. Okay. These well so then the, here, here's a novel thought. He could have sat there and said, look, it's it's going to take some adjustment. I wish I didn't have to do it. But, he did but say did. that later on. It, I'd only yeah, sent but you that the gets quote. Lost that, on the, that gets lost after the wine. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I didn't think it was a wide. I thought it was an explanation. I appreciated the honesty. I, I mean, but that's the been the biggest complaint about the new rules. Other than that, the new rules seem to be working so far i'm the players actually seem to for the most part the collective of the players seems that they're enthusiastic about the new rule there were 15 games on opening day that averaged two hours and 45 minutes that's 26 minutes shorter than last year's games not one of the seven early games that were completed went as long as last year's opening day average time so i and it wasn't just the and there was more. It's not just the see. It's just see. That's the thing that I think people miss. It's not just the length of the game is shorter. Because for some people, they don't care. Somebody like me, I'll sit there for three hours and fifteen minutes. I don't care. It's relaxing to me. But it, I get that people want a shorter thing because we don't have as long of attention spans as we used to. But there's other improvements that were made to the game. The shift has made it that there will be more hits, and yet still the game is short. Well, the stolen that, bases are way up. With that. That's the kind of thing that's exciting. In 2022, the average was nine and a quarter singles on opening day. Granted, it's a one-day sample size. You had mm-hmm. 12 singles. Uh, doubles went from 2.8. They stayed kind of similar, 2.8. Home runs went down a little bit, but people are getting other hits against the shift. There were more triples. The stolen base attempts is where there's the huge difference. Uh the bigger bases, whether that's the issue, the success rate, basically you went from five attempts for about a 50% success rate in 2022 to 21 attempts for a 92% success rate yesterday. That's a lot more attempted steals, and you saw it earlier in the game. Do you, do you think stolen bases is, is, is an exciting part of the game? Yes. Yeah, so... I find it funny and amusing that they all wear oven mitts now so they don't break their hands. They, they and, look and they ridiculous, try to they but... try to stay on the base with mm-hmm. the mitt with nothing to grab onto. But it's clearly, I mean, 
you watch Trey Turner. What they should do is put Velcro on the tips of it and then put the Velcro on the on that the would base be a, that would be an illegal <laughs> substance, Jeff. We've cracked down on that too. Um, but no, I mean the rules seem to be working. It's it's funny though. I, I read a piece in the Athletic after one day. Looking <laughs> back, well, they looked they worked in spring training right. too. If you look uh-huh. at the numbers consistently over games, granted spring training, but you saw similar patterns in terms of that. But I read a piece in the Athletic about uh, where they sat down with Bryce Harper and went over his home run that he hit in the playoffs, and he talked about breathing in the moment and and how he didn't think that he would have been able to do some of the things he was doing if he was rushed. Do you think baseball? Rob Manford has said our our feet will not be stuck in the ground in terms of these rules. It seems like they're they're setting the the groundwork for. We're going to call it really strict at the start, and then we're going to kind of loosen it up a little bit. Do you think that that's where we're going to go, at least with the pitch clock part of it? I don't think they should loosen it up. I, I, unless there's in, there's an injury issue. Look, I love Bryce Harper, but I, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes at that, at that comment. You are, you're a professional. You get paid a lot of money. You're supposed to have incredible mental strength. And if you're going to say to me that you couldn't accomplish that feat because you didn't get to breathe enough, oh, well, everybody's under the same requirements. It's going to be who has the mental toughness to take advantage of those. I mean, you heard before the season, the first thing I saw was Max Scherzer in spring training looking, instead of complaining about it, looking for ways to make it his advantage. And that's which it. they changed when he tried to do it. Right. And that's why I'm wondering if baseball is going to make other changes. They've shown their willingness to make adjustments to this. I think what you do is you keep the rule and you add little clauses to it. Now, if that's what they need to do, then fine. That's what they need to do. But I, I don't I, I think that it's fair for Bryce Harper to say. This is this is my process and I need that. I needed that process. But the question is, is can you adjust? And I, I think that Bryce Harper will adjust. I think that he'll stick. I think that he's not giving himself enough credit that he's a competitor and he'll be able to do. He would still be able to do the same thing. He's just saying maybe I wouldn't have been because I didn't have that role. Yeah, it was, it was more saying the time to analyze the pitch sequence as it was going on is what it would be cut down in terms of having to be back in the box. Yeah, but the, but all of these rules. See, there it wasn't one rule. I think that the the genius you could say anything from MLB is genius I'm was, hesitant was to doing do all of these rules at once if they had done this in drips and drabs this would have been a disaster if if they would have been doing a whole bunch of trial and error one after another instead of doing this all the the beauty of it is is that there are advantages and disadvantages to both sides to defense and offense at the same time because all these rules were put into place at the same time. So, yes, Bryce Harper might be at a disadvantage because he doesn't have enough time for this, but he also has more of an advantage because Bryce Harper is a left-handed hitter who was getting robbed of a whole bunch of balls that were hit to the right side of the infield that he will now have the advantage of a lot of those balls going through. You know, Kyle Kyle Schwarber should actually benefit more than Bryce Harper from that. Yeah. He saw... 2,533 pitches last season. Only three hitters made more outs on balls hit 100 miles an hour or harder to, into the shift. Yeah. 
So I'm curious what he ends up doing. It was fun to see Trey Turner in the leadoff spot. My goodness, is he a fast baseball player running around bases. Um, obviously, Bowman, Marsh, what else did you see yesterday other than the bullpen collapse? How 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 was it a bullpen collapse? Well, it was a, it was an Aaron Nola collapse, and Alan Aaron and then Nola the, gave and then up the bullpen. Five. Okay, the bullpen didn't hold anything. Well, the back of the bullpen did. No, yeah, it was the first two guys who gave up all the runs. That would be the bullpen. There were more guys that pitched after. I understand that, that. they so, go uh, into see, the bullpen average. Yes, but but the the entire bullpen did not flop. Okay, Soto did not have a good day. And Brogdon, Brogdon did not, did have, not have his best day. day. Yeah. But the fact is, it started with Nola went from no hits to all of a sudden not being able to get anybody out. I was surprised they didn't have and somebody I'm surprised. up to bring in sooner. And by the way, I'm, I, I just kept waiting all morning to see that there was going to be an interview with Aaron Nola where he was going to complain that because of the pitch clock, he couldn't regroup. No, he let JT do that for him. <laughs> um, Are you... Are you watching other games? Like you and I talked, Shohei Otani called his own game last night with Called Pitchcom. his own game with, with his Pitchcom. battery mate, Logan Ohapi. Yeah, that's a you're that's gonna be a sore point for you, isn't it? Brad Brad Marsh played Brandon Marsh played. Brandon ball. Marsh had a good game. Yeah. The fact is and I know we have JT Romuto, but you know, Ever since the first time I met Logan Ohapi, I he just seemed like you fell he, in love with him. You looked into uh, his eyes. I just think that he he was ahead of ahead of his time as far as maturity, and I think that he's going to be a really good defensive catcher and a really good hitter. We'll have to try and get him and, on the show when and, they come and here. And now August. and for, I offered to buy you an Ohapi Angels jersey. You said no. I wait. I didn't say no. You said don't worry about it. I said, well, I'll wait for the All-Star jersey. You oh, you wait for the All-Star jersey. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Let me wait for the All-Star Ohapi jersey. If Can that- you imagine that, though, your first opening day? I know he played a little bit last year at the end of the season for the Phillies, but it's getting your first opening day and, and, and the guy that you're catching is, is like this living legend in Shohei Otani. Calling his own game. Yeah, which does take a little pressure off <laughs> yeah, you, right? right? Like, it's like, whatever you want to do, I'm good. Put your glove here. Yeah. Well, and along the lines of that, you talked about all the rule changes at once. Rob Manfred said the other day that the next big one on the agenda is the automatic the ball no strike umpire. system. So apparently they're not done with the new rules, Jeff. I, I hate this idea. I really do. And I'm not telling you the umpires are making all the right calls. I just hate the idea that the umpire's going to be standing behind home plate Doing nothing other than somebody's going to beep a number in their ear and they'll go strike and ball. I mean, is that – then just get rid of the umpire. I don't want them to get rid of don't the umpire. Don't say that when we have umpires no, on next I time. Think, My I, goodness. But, but you know, they're, they're entitled to have some dignity. I mean, <laughs> how is how is that going to be a job? Speaking of umpire dignity, um, you see the spring training game where JT put out the wall and he missed the ball and got ejected? Yeah. <laughs> that was not a finest moment right there. Um, I'm not saying that every umpire is the, like the ones that we've had on. No, no, they've, they've been good. All right. Any final baseball thoughts? We can talk hockey. We can talk basketball. We can talk soccer. Tell me what you want to talk, Jeff. You want to get, if you want to talk hockey, we can do that very quickly. I mean, the Flyers. Haley's fl- going to get upset on the other side of the glass if we only talk Flyers. Well, then, then Haley can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> she the, was at the Carnival. It the, was fun. The, fl- the Flyers have won four out of their last five games. Yes. Morgan Frost is playing very well. Yes. So it, doesn't that give you a little – I'm not saying it gives you hope that the Stanley Cup is in their sights, but does it not give you hope that 
at least something is going in the right direction as opposed to not, it's a, it's a very small sample size, but it's something you're getting to see something from some young players and you still do have here Carter Hart. You do. And look, I'm more encouraged by the fact that Dave Scott's retiring. So you're going to have in less than a year, you'll have had a new head coach, a new, new assistant, new GM and a new chairman. That's a lot of turnover for a team that was very insular. And apparently in the hiring of Danny Briere, uh, they did not consult some of the more traditional people who had voices in this decision-making process. Is, so is Dan, Danny Briere still interim or has he gotten the full thing? He's the, he's the, Haley, right? He's the interim still for now? Yes, for now. Yeah, for now he's still and, the interim. And do you think he's got enough experience that he's going to be the one that should be writing the ship. Do I think he has yeah. enough experience? Yeah. No. Do I think they'll give it to him? Yes. Those are two well, totally th- different doesn't things. Doesn't that then become part of the continuing problems that is the Flyers? Well, is, is that you've now brought in a former Flyer to, to write the, it, 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 the text all, all over it, again? It depends. Just because somebody doesn't have the right experience to start doesn't mean they can't learn and get that experience. I just think it'll be bumpy as he learns. Okay. He's seen under other people. Yeah. He's seen how it's done, and he's a player, so he's been okay. in the locker room. But, okay, but I'm gonna, you can now go across the street to the Phillies. Okay. Like and, to point out, this is the most you've let me talk Flyers on yeah. the show like, and, all and, year. And we're still kind of going to stay on the Flyers <laughs> As right you now. move across the street yeah. to the Phillies. We're but, gonna... <laughs> but, but I'm going to relate it to the Phillies as of right now. So Sam Fold is officially the general manager. Yes. He has Dave Dombrowski there. Yes. Okay, so Sam is getting, as smart as guy as he is, is getting to learn from Dave Dombrowski. And I don't see that Who in is the Danny Briere learning from? Gritty. No, I'm being serious. So am I. Well, see, but that that's that's what I'm concerned I about. I agree. I'm not saying that he can't be a great general manager. I'm saying is is do you do you trust when you're manning a large boat? Do you want a captain who has experience with a second mate who's learning it, who ultimately come, becomes captain, or do you want a second mate out there, right, or driving the boat right towards a, an iceberg and doesn't know what to do? I wanted a new captain. That's what I wanted. And if but all so I'm Briere's get, not the new captain. For now, he well, he's is. The name the captain, and but so he's if not. That's what they're going to do. I'll take that for now. I it, I just think that. What they were doing wasn't working. No, I'm not saying he's going to change anything. But That's you don't to change for. But see, I've never believed in change for change's sake. I think it's you, not you, change's sake. They're they're an irrelevant team in the city now. Yes, they, they just fired everyone. Oh, and, uh, and, but I think that there was cause for change. It's not for change's yes. sake. Well, yes, it is. If you don't then bring in the right people to replace him, because then you're just going to have more of the same. I don't know like, who the right people like are. A, a, to me, a general manager has to have a couple things. You have to have experience. You have to have people around you that know their parts. And I think you have to have relationships because general managers need to make trades. And in order to make trades, you got to have relationships with people. Does Danny Briere, yes, he had relationships in the NHL as a player. Does he have them with other general managers or front office per- personnel? I don't. I haven't seen that he has that. So how is he going to be able to accomplish some of the things that somebody who does have that experience? Because this is this is a long-term project. You're now about to get somebody in the draft, probably seventh, eighth, ninth. Not, not pick as good now. of a pick as you could have had. Right. So you, again, you're going to need scouts. You're going to need so all of that personnel. Does he know the guys to bring in to be the scouts? 
is he going to be able to make the trade so that the veteran guys on this team get traded to the right team to get younger players and get prospects? Is All of that stuff just requires experience. Kelly, I hate to put you on the spot, but what are people saying around the team with that? Are they are they saying that that they think he's going to be the long term guy and they're going to give him a chance? Or so that's an interesting point. I personally, I don't think he is. I think they're going to bring in somebody with more experience. I think that short term it could be him, but I don't think he has the ability to be the GM. I think a GM needs to be a business person that's been experienced. So right now, you know, people like Danny, but that's really it. I, and I wonder if they try to keep him with that experienced GM and kind of That's what I'm him. saying. Have him here as the second in charge. So he's, Let your, him he's learn. the Sam Fold of the Flyers. Huh? He's the Sam Fold of the yes. Flyers. Yes, and if, go out and find your Dombrowski. That, I think that's the answer. I'm not telling you it's easy because there aren't that many people out there, but I think that that's the way to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited that there's going to be something different. Whether it moves in the right direction, I don't know yet. But I know hopefully it won't move in the direction it was because it's different people at least in there. I, I'm just being hopeful. I mean, the one, the one thing you need, and, and I've seen this from going to other hockey games this year in the past couple of years. You now, were just at the Avalanche I, I was at the Avalanche. They just won the Stanley Cup. I was at Tampa Bay a couple of times. Seeing other places, one thing you do need is you're not going to win unless you have stars. So if you're not going to draft your star, you better go out and find that star, and it better be somebody under the age of 28 or so. And I don't know – that's what I don't know how you do. Yes, you have Carter Hart, and I still think he could be a great, great goalie. But you you need you need somebody like – you're not going to get Connor McConaughey. You, you can't you're gonna you're gonna need somebody you're not gonna get Connor McDavid, but you're gonna you're gonna need a Connor McDavid, a Nate McKinnon, uh Drysidle, one of these guys. And the Flyers don't have anybody like that in their organization right now. No you need and, a star to build around. And they're unlikely to get that in the draft too, which is the concern. Well, unless, unless they make the right trades. Like maybe you do something creative where you if you can Draft if you can move up to one or two, depending on where they end up. Take that draft pick, take another one from next year because it doesn't merely matter at that point, and then maybe Connectney or somebody like that. Connectney's a very good player, but if you can get a star player or a guy who's on the ascent, that's what you should be doing. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you, and I think we're going to see a lot more turnover of the roster in the offseason. Tortorella's seen the players. Well, there that, couldn't be less turnover. <laughs> well, Tortorella's now seen the players on the roster, and he knows who he thinks is going to buy into his system. He's going to be the guy, so we'll see what it is. Okay, so that, well, I'm going to ask you one more. You want to stay on the Flyers? Is, is his system what you really want to build around? They'll learn to play a disciplined game of hockey, but I think in the end his voice will wear out. I don't think he'll be the coach when they win something. So then I don't think you build around his system. I think you bring in the best players possible, and either he either, either he adjusts to it or he's got to go. I'll be curious because this leadership didn't pick him. Right. So they're not, they may not necessarily if I, be If I'm the new him. general manager, I, I keep an open mind. I, I talk to him. I see if he agrees with my vision. But as a general manager, I'm the one who's creating the vision. All right, a couple minutes left. I want to close a little Sixers talk. Uh, this is 50 and 26 now. It's the fastest they've reached 50 wins since 2001. 
They're currently the three seed. They're two games back from the Celtics for the two seed, two and a half games up on the Cavaliers for the four seed. Um, your thoughts on the team? We talked to Keith, obviously, about it all last week. What's your feel this week after watching how the game's played out? It's it's hard to say. It's hard to sit there and get excited still. I don't, I don't know what it is about this team, but I don't just have – they're the third seed in the East. They're probably one of the top five, six teams in the NBA right now. And there's something about the way that they play, and maybe it's more about the history, the recent history, that I have no confidence that they are getting beyond the second round. I think it's some the recent history, but I think it's some the fact that some games they'll come out and be Jekyll and Hyde. They'll, their defense, they'll be right up on them, real tight man, great defense. And then other parts of the game, it looks like a, a public league game where it's pickup and a man is so wide open for the shot, nobody's anywhere near him in the picture. And I think that kind of inconsistency from the team throughout the same game, where you have these huge lead swings, you're up 15, you're down 5, you leave him beat on the bench, depending on what your rotation is, he comes back in, you're, you're down 10 now, whatever it is. I think that's concerning people even more, is that they have these nights where they go up really big, and then it ends up as a real close game where they're down, have to come back, coming down the stretch. It's all, I think it's also the next gear theory, is that, is that when it comes to the playoffs, playoff teams, successful teams, have that next gear when they get to the playoffs. So when you Do look, you think this team has Well, hold on. When, it, when you look at Golden State, you know that Steph Curry's got a next gear when he gets to the playoffs. They have a history of it, too, so you've seen it. With the Sixers, you don't know whether there's a next gear. Embiid usually has a next gear, but then he gets hurt in the playoffs. He's not fully healthy. James Harden, who is the second most important player on this team, does not have a history at all of having a playoff gear, right? It, it, it usually goes the other way. Not to say he's not working hard, but let's face it, his shooting in the playoffs is not good. Would you sit him down the last couple of games with his Achilles being sore? Give him rest, given where they are now? Depends. I, I I don't know how bad the Achilles is, but he but, said that it's not going to get better. It's just going to be sore, and he's going to have to deal with it. It just seems like workload, and if, if you can't move up, I almost feel seat, bad saying this, but are the excuses starting before we get to the playoffs? I don't know. He's if not Ben saying, Simmons. No, but if you're already saying, well, it's not going to get any better. I'm going to play with it. You, you know what? You just don't say it. True. Just don't. Just right. play. So tonight they play at home against the Raptors. Then they play on the road against the Bucks Sunday night. Tuesday night back at home against Boston. And then against the Heat at home on Thursday. That's a tough I little think stretch they, right I there. I think at this point the most important thing is just maintaining the three. You're not getting up to the two. You're not. they got six games left. They are not going to make up the difference. They're not getting up to the two, even if they beat the Celtics next week. And if you're watching other teams in the conference, Julius Randle sprained his ankle, so that'll that'll hurt the Knicks' chances mm -hmm. there in terms of their seeding for the playoffs. Boy, was I wrong about Jalen Brunson. Did you really think that he was going to be as good as he's now turned out to be? He's been worth the money they gave him. Yeah. You know what pairing and, has and how, and how bad do, do the Mavericks look? Not just because of Irving, but Brunson said that they could have had him for basically half of what he's making if they would have done it early on. That pairing is not working out. The Kyrie, Luca, um, and the only person that seems surprised by it is Mark Cuban, right? Which I don't understand how he didn't see that coming. Kyrie's had problems everywhere he's been. Like, what are you expecting? 
the, the Mavs are one and done if they even make the playoffs. We've got two and a half minutes left. I always like to get in a little soccer talk. Ugly loss against Orlando City at home last week. Snapped their home win streak going back to 2021. But right now, did Andre Blake even play? I don't know. No, he'll yeah, be back so. hopefully this week, it looks like. So they play Sporting Kansas City Okay, Saturday so are night. you concerned? No. Okay. No, not that, at all. See, see that's a diff- look at the difference in, in your attitude between the Union and the Sixers right now. You're not concerned because the Union have a history of getting better as the season goes on. And, by the way, Andre Blake has not been playing the last few weeks. And, this, and by the, the way, the Union is also focused more on the CONCACAF. I also have more confidence in the coach for the Union. Yeah, okay. Than I do for, but the there's Sixers. a bunch of reasons. It's just, it's just amazing. Like I don't usually see you that confident about anything when it comes to the sports in this town, and you didn't even blink when I asked you that. question. It was a pretty fast answer that yeah. I gave there, and I wasn't on the fence at Look all. How, I'm I impressed. Didn't hedge. Look at you. We've been doing the show long enough that I take <laughs> sides. So Haley, when we started doing the show, I would like take both sides of an argument, and Jeff get all mad because I'd sit on the fence and not take any opinion oh, at all. You lived on the fence. I, yeah, I lived on the fence. Yeah. I, I had I had like sores from sitting on the fence. But all right, so they are more concerned. I mean, all the right, so you want to sit on the fence? Aaron Rodgers to the Jets this week or not? Not this week. <laughs> He'll end up there, but I I just don't. Uh, if you're the Jets owner at this point, do you go after Lamar? I'm not saying that you you do anything one way or the other with Aaron Rodgers. Yes. You go after Lamar, yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yes, but what if that? What if, Aaron are, are you not afraid a, that's going to offend Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, he'll go back into one of his darkness retreats. Where else is Aaron Rodgers going to go at this point? I don't know. Like that, that's he'll the, retire. The, okay, let him retire then. If you can get Lamar Jackson, okay. okay well, I don't. Th- I think the Jets are afraid at this point. I think they've they invested so. They brought in two old wide receivers that are his guys that nobody else would want at this point. Only for him to come out and say on Pat McAfee show he didn't make any demands <laughs> right. for, for anything. <laughs> like I, I, I'm just glad that we don't have to deal with that because you can see the hoops they're jumping through before he even starts playing, before he gets to the team. It's already this whole The amazing whole part is the Jets – it, we maybe we will never not find out, but the Jets will not be in the Super Bowl even if they get Aaron Rodgers. So you don't think they have a chance? No, I don't. I think there are too many other teams that are better than the Jets, even with Aaron Rodgers in the AFC. Are they going to be better than the Chiefs? No, they're not. Are they going to be better than the Bengals? No, they're not. Are they going to be better than the Bills in their own division? No, they're not. All the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. Yeah. You got Jalen Hurts and everybody else in the AFC. <laughs> really? I got that That's, in. What about Daniel Jones, the $40 million man? You really going to let me be that? have that be your last comment of the day? <laughs> yes, yes, I I am. will close on <laughs> Daniel Jones. Go there for it, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Get inside the world of medicine every Saturday morning at 10 on WWDB when prominent endocrinologist Dr.